Chapter 1 Auspicious RD We ask our amiable readers to kindly disregard the present and climb into the boat of imagination that we may take a little journey across time unmarred by beginnings and endings We shall cross a century in a convenient second and reach a year roughly 982 years before our time written in 1950 Between the hoary lands of Tondainadu and Cholanadu is placed the kingdom of Tirumanaipadi. In its southern region, roughly 2 kadams west of the famed Chidambaram temple, sprawls the huge Veeranarayanan lake as large as an ocean. It measures something like 1 and 1/2 kadams from north to south and half a kadam from east to west. These days it is known no longer by its full original name but by a much shortened colloquial version. Veeranathiyeri or lake Those who saw this massive body of water during the months of Aadi and Avani when the floods poured in fresh water its surface churning and tossing almost overflowing its banks could not help but marvel in astonishment and heave sighs of delight at the great feats accomplished by their ancestors in ancient Tamilagam for such deeds were not merely for their own advancement or even the betterment of those of their times were they their benefit was passed down through generations like the munificent plantain trees bequeathing their resources to their young enriching their descendants a thousand years into the future didn't they on the auspicious 18th day of aadi sometime in the early evening a young man rode his horse along the banks of the veeranarayana yeri almost ocean like in its vastness the scion of one of tamilagam's most distinguished clans the vanarkulam was our young man by name vallavarayan vandiyathevan they had traveled a great distance without pause his horse was weary and stumbled slowly along the path not that our young traveler was much distressed by this he was too fascinated by the lake and its enormous proportions to set much store by his steed's fatigue aadi perukku was traditionally important for more than one reason On this day every river in Cholanadu overflowed its banks consequently every lake that fed from the rivers was filled to the brim as well the waters tossing and churning the surface the river known as Vadakaveri by devotees and Kollidam colloquially fed straight into the Veeranarayana yeri through the Vadavar and the latter was more an ocean in dimensions water gushed through the 74 canals that ringed the lake bubbling and foaming adding to the vast expanse and irrigating vast swathes of the surrounding land agriculture was the mainstay here farmers were engaged in plowing seeding and planting their respective fields as the lake's water flowed into their lands men and women neck deep in their work went about with sweet songs on their lips to alleviate the burden of labor vandetevan chose to linger on his way listening to their songs Besides he was engaged in another more important task verifying whether the lake did possess 74 canals as he'd heard tell Thus far he had traveled one and a half kadams and counted only around 70 It was then that the true magnitude the sheer vastness of the lake burst upon him in all its glory Ah such length and breadth how enormous it was seemingly endless Why even the so-called large lakes dug by the Pallava emperors were nothing but tiny ponds in comparison And then consider the incredible foresight of Prince Rajaditya 
son of Madurai's conqueror, the illustrious Parandagar, who had conceived the plan of diverting the Vadakaveri's vast waters into a lake of such proportions. Indeed, who could claim to be his equal when it came to sheer foresight and execution of plans? For that matter, there was no one who could match his courage and valour either. Wasn't he the warrior who had chosen to personally lead his armies into battle at Takkolam? Hadn't he borne an enemy's spear in his chest as he rode his war elephant and ascended to heaven as a valiant soldier? Didn't he fully deserve the title, he who embraced death on his elephant, as a result of his great deeds? In truth, these Chora kings were a strange and wonderful breed. They were as outstanding in valour as they were in war, as committed to justice as they were to God. And he had actually had the great good fortune of mingling with, nay, claiming friendship with them. Vandyatevan's shoulders swelled, his heart threatened to burst with pride, buffeted by waves of sheer exhilaration, just as the surface of Viranarayana Lake heaved and tossed, striking the banks whipped by the brisk west wind. By the time Vandyatevan reached this point in his ruminations, he had arrived at the southern end of the lake and saw the magnificent sight of the Vadavara emptying itself into it. The lake bed extended for a small stretch between the banks and the water surface. Thorny, Karvela and Villa trees had been planted in it to prevent damages to the shore from floods. Sturdy Nanal bushes clustered thickly at the edges. In all, the sight of the Vadavara, with water rushing between the tree-laden banks and emptying with a roar into the Viranarayana lake, made a very pretty, colourful picture indeed from afar. Vandya Tevan was delighted with nature's painting. But there were a few other sights too that considerably increased his admiration and joy in his surroundings. The auspicious day meant that villagers from in and around the lake were in the mood for celebrations, and scores of men, women, children and even a few aged ones took advantage of the festive occasion, dressed in their best clothes and finery, dragging along supparams made of delicate, ivory-white coconut fronds. Women wore fragrant blossoms of jasmine, mullai, tarambu, sevvandi, iruvachi and shenbagam, spreading their sweet scent around. Of food, there was plenty as well, in the form of delicious kutanchore, a mixture of rice and various condiments. Some strolled along the banks, having ladled their food into cups fashioned from kamugu. Other, slightly more adventurous sightseers, walked right up to where the vadavaru poured into the lake and ate their food, watching the sight. Children threw their used kamugu cups into the canals, watched the flimsy containers tumble through the choppy waters and clapped their hands with glee. Some young men exhibited their playful nature, pulling flowers off their beloved stresses without their knowledge, throwing them into the canal and laughing to see them burst through on the lakeside. Vallavarayan stayed on the banks for a while, enjoying the sights and sounds of celebration. He took in the sweet, appealing melodies of the women. They ranged from boat songs to kummi, sindhi and even some celebrating the floods in all their delightful variety. Vadavaru pongi varudu, vandu paarungal palliyare, vellaru virendu varudu, vedikai paarungal tholiyare, kaveri purandu varudu, kaana varungal pangiyare. Come, sing in welcome, the vadavaru leaps towards us. Watch and dance in welcome, the Vellar springs towards us. See, delight and welcome, the Kaveri rises towards us. 
These and many more songs were sung with joy, celebrating the new waters. And Vandya Devan listened for all he was worth, the sweetness in the tone and verses gladdening his heart. War-like fervor found favor among other celebrants in the group. Some women enshrined in song the valor of Vijayalaya Chora, who sported ninety and six cars on his battle-worn body from thirty-two wars. Yet another woman chose to sing about the piety and compassion of his son, Aditya Chodar, who built 64 temples for Sivapiraman all along the course of the Kaveri, from its birthplace to where it merged with the sea. Parandaga Chodar's incredible feats as he subjugated the Pandyas, Pallavas, Cheras and won massive victories in Ilangai was sung by a young lady with enormous zest and vigour. Everyone's performance was heard with gratifying attention. Sometimes listeners gave themselves completely to them, uttering spontaneous exclamations. Lost in the revelry, Vandyatevan gradually became aware of an old woman's scrutiny. You look like you have travelled far and hard, Thambi. You must be very tired. Would you like to get down from that horse of yours? and share some of our nourishing kootanchore? This seemed to be the signal for every young woman in the vicinity to direct keen glances at our young man. Their laughing eyes settled on him. They giggled and tittered among themselves, obviously discussing his appearance. Vandya Tevan would have been paralyzed by bashfulness had not a part of him been overjoyed at the female attention. He wondered briefly if he should take up the old woman on her offer and gorge himself on food. But surely if he did, those young women would surround him on all sides and swamp him with ridicule. But what of it? Opportunities to be swamped by a bevy of young ladies did not often come by. Even if they did ridicule him, surely the sound of their teasing laughter would defeat the mellifluous music of celestial beings. To Vandya Tevan's besotted young eyes, Every maiden on the shores seemed to be no less a beauty than the divine dancers Ramba and Menaka, who adorned Indra's court. Before he could accept the old woman's invitation, though, something else caught his attention and made him hesitate. In the distance, a heavenly sight met his eyes. Seven or eight large boats glided swiftly along the Vadavaru from the southwest, their white, silky sails fluttering in the brisk west wind, or spread like the wings of a graceful swan. Men and women indulging in celebration along the banks gradually fell silent, their attention riveted by the approaching spectacle. One among the cavalcade outran the rest, making its way swiftly towards the northern bend of the lake. Soldiers lined its decks. Sunlight caught the glint of their spears and javelins, dazzling onlookers. Some of them jumped on shore and began to herd everyone with alacrity. Clear out! Move away, all of you! The celebrants themselves, obviously, did not want to lay themselves open to such bracing treatment. They were swift to pick up their belongings and move well away from the banks. Vandya Tevan watched the boats and warriors puzzled. Who were they and what sort of passengers did the boats behind them carry? Were they perhaps members of the royal family? He sidled up to an old man who stood on the banks, leaning on his stick. Ayya, whose men are these? Whom do those swan-like boats belong to? 
why do these soldiers drive away the people and why does everyone obey them the questions fairly tripped off his overeager tongue why tambi do you tell me that you do not recognize them the old man raised his eyebrows do you see the boat in the midst of the rest and the flag that flutters in it tell me what is the emblem it bears it seems to be a palm tree indeed and do you not know that it is the emblem of padave terriers my lad good god vandyadevan exclaimed startled is it truly him the great warrior padave terrier it must be who else would dare to brandish the palm tree flag with such authority vallavarayan's eyes turned towards the approaching boats again wide with astonishment such were the tales he had heard about the warrior among warriors padave terrier but then who had not the names and fame of the amazingly valiant padave terrier brothers both elder and younger had spread through the length and breadth of the chola empire from iram in the south to kalinga in the north the brothers hailed from the city of paduvur on the northern banks of the river vadakaveri near urayur their clan had earned a name for valor from the times of vijayalayar the paduvur family claimed intimate ties with the cholas through martial alliances their royal connections and reputation for courage had made them one of the first families of the land a clan that was almost if not quite the equal of the ancient chola dynasty itself such an illustrious status also meant that they were among the few who could boast the privilege of a flag of their own of the current duo the elder was more renowned having earned legendary status in 24 battles for sheer bravery it was common knowledge that he had no equal in choranad more than 50 years old he no longer graced battlefields but held several truly exalted positions in the chola empire dana and danya adhigari treasurer and guardian of granaries his was the right to guard the resources of the land both cash and kind his also the privilege to assess the demands of the government decide on the tirai or tax to be levied upon and collected from the people he could march up to any kottam official affluent landlord or minister and demand to be paid whatever tax he levied that year in other words padave terrier was considered next in importance to none other than maharaja sundara chola himself in the empire naturally vandyatevan's heart was filled with the unquenchable urge to catch a glimpse of this supremely important personality this warrior who claimed the respect of every chola citizen but then he remembered the confidential message entrusted to him by prince aditya karigalar in kanchi's golden palace vandyateva i am well aware of your prowess as a warrior i am also aware of your keen intelligence which is why i am entrusting this responsibility to you here are two palm leaves one is to be delivered to my father the maharaja the other to my sister ilaya pirati i hear such disturbing tales about even highly placed officials in the empire you must therefore make sure that my message does not fall into their hands no matter what position of authority they hold not a whisper of suspicion must enter their heads that you carry a message from me do not i repeat do not pick fights along the way it isn't enough if you don't quarrel with anyone make sure that you ignore anyone who forces a quarrel on you vallavaraya i know you to be an excellent warrior so you may be easy about your reputation 
Rest assured that ignoring a few disputes isn't going to be a blemish on your honor. There was a pause. In particular, my lad, you must be very wary of the Parve Terriers and my uncle, Madhurandagar. Not on any account must they know the purpose of your mission. Such was the message entrusted to him, not just by the crown prince of the Chora Empire, but one who had held the vastly important position of Madhandanayagar of the Northern Chora forces. Aditya Karigalar had taken such great pains to impress ways of good conduct and behavior upon him, not to mention precise instructions to be carried out, that Vallavarayan could not find it in himself to ignore those words of caution. Meeting Paduve Terrier, therefore, was a desire he would have to suppress. Vandya Tevan heaved a sigh and spurred his horse forward. That noble animal, already worn down by hard travel, could do little more than ooze along the path. Well, that left him with only one option. He would spend the night at the Kadambur Sambuvarayar Palace and leave the next morning with a brand new horse, able and fit for travel. Hidden Meanings and Explanations Kulam Clan or Tribe Tambi Literally means younger brother, but is also used commonly to refer to a young man. Kadam A unit to measure distance in ancient times. One kadam approximately equals 1.167 kilometers. Jamam A unit of time measuring 2 hours and 24 minutes. Nadigai, a unit of time, measuring 24 minutes.